0: Hello and welcome to Drinking Well, a podcast by Berry Brothers and Rudd with me, Hannah Crosby. For the first six episodes of this podcast, we'll be delving into the world's most important fine wine regions. We'll be talking to our buyers and account managers as they share their insights and tips to help you enjoy and build your fine wine collection in 2022. For this week's episode, I'll be sitting down with buyer Katriana Felstead and private client manager Gary Owen to explore the delicious wines of the Rhone, a region known for its rich and enticing blends. So grab a glass of something good as we delve into what Rhone wines we should be uncorking in 2022. Well, Cat Gary, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation as we discuss how we can best enjoy and build our collections of Rhone wine in 2022. Cat, let's start by introducing you to our listeners. Can you tell us a bit about your story, how you came to work in wine, and how you came to be buyer at Berry Brothers and Rudd?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I started out actually uh, in my career not in the wine industry. I did languages at university and thought that I just wanted to work with languages. But after four years in um, in a Spanish petrochemical company, um, I realised that actually I wanted to be working with something I could really love and so I moved into the wine trade and then moved to Bury Brothers in 2007. Um, initially moved into our marketing team there and then became a buyer at Bury Brothers in 2013, where I am still today. Um, so I got my Master of Wine in 2012, which also uh, helped but wasn't the key reason for me getting the buying job. But I'm very lucky to be working with uh, lots of different regions now um, for Bury Brothers and Rudd. And one of those regions for me is the Rhone, which is a really exciting place.
0: Brilliant. What is it about the Rhone region that drew you to it?
1: So I've been buying the wines of the Rhone since October 2020 for Bury Brothers. And I think um, for me, the most fascinating thing about the Rhone is that, first of all, in my mind, I can't really call it the Rhône in one word. It's two regions. It's the Northern Rhône and the Southern Rhône. Um, and they're both very, very different. Um, and they're both um, hugely fascinating places. Um, the Northern Rhône particularly has uh, a real parallel to Burgundy about it. Um, there's so much to learn and to understand about the different Liadis and the, the different, the different terroirs in the North um, and also in the South, but the South is a little bit A bit more widespread, and a bit more you can generalise a little bit more in the south than you can perhaps in the north. But both regions are fascinating in very different ways.
0: And Gary, tell us about how you became to be a private client manager at Barry Brothers and Rudd.
2: I worked in our um, uh, warehouse shop in in Basingstoke for for eighteen months or two years, and then the same amount of time in our what was then our telephone department, the uh, the sales and service department there. And then I've spent the last um, ten years in the fine wine team looking after looking after private clients and then um, about six months ago joined the uh, joined the management team of the uh, of the private client division so it's um yeah it's it's great
0: gary do you remember the first bottle of great rotten wine that you drank
2: i can definitely remember um, buying and drinking the first um, serious bottle of, of Ron wine or, or fine wine from the Rhone. Um and it was from a it was from a, a very small um, wine and spirits um, a whiskey shop really in in the Lake District oh. um, and they had an awful lot of quite dusty bottles um, and I, I I don't know why I would have picked that particular bottle of, of chateauneuf de pape but I did and I remember taking it home and it was it was um let's just say on its last legs mm-hmm. and even even at the time um I'd just started at Odd Bins and I even I could see that it was um let's say well aged or, or fully mature um and it just it just fired up the the, the 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 gray matter got going I wanted to work out where it was from and who'd made it and what the vintage was like and all, all of those things that I I, I really enjoy discovering about wine. And it, it was just a real, a real kickstart um, along, that, along that thought process and along that journey. One particular, one of the, one bottle that really does stand out for me was on my first visit to the Rhone Valley with, with Berries. Um, we had lunch, I think it was on, it, probably the first lunch on the first day of the trip was at Chateau de Beaucastel in, in chateauneuf de pape And they served a 1989 Roussan Vavin, um so it's the it's Ooh. the it's the top of the range standard bearer you know it's it's one of the great wines it's one of the great wines in their portfolio um and it's one of the greatest vintages for that wine in particular and they served it with this absolutely beautiful lobster tail dish um and i <gasps> It was just, yeah. It was it was really one of those sort of wine moments where you sort of think, actually, you know, quite, you know, it's really quite good fun. This this wine merchant lark is is really good fun. It yeah, has its perks. Um, yeah. And, and um, yeah, it was it was tremendous. There's been bottles in Northern Rhone as well. You know, I, I remember doing a, a fabulous tasting with Stefan Ogier. Um, he just opened the new winery on on the edge of. Um, on, on, on the edge of the town and he did a, a barrel tasting for us where I think he took us through every single lure d that he owned um in the court roti Appalachian. and it was it was very cold it was the middle of February um, but um, it was you know some some people's fingers were almost too cold to write um, it was it was that cold in the cellar but um you know, th- that stands out as a as as a, as a ex as a way of explaining and expressing terwa and and really understanding the raw materials that he had to work with and the quality that he had to offer um that probably stands out as as one of the best tastings i've done actually in in situ
0: wow amazing magic so let's look back around to this idea of rhone not being one region but two regions tied together cat when we talk about the northern and southern regions can you give us a bit of an overview about what the main differences are between them
1: Okay, so um, I mean, principally, apart from obviously the north is further north, that's a bit obvious to say, but it is (laughs) so that that does have an impact uh, on the climate. But the northern Rhone is very much it's kind of uh, more like sort of a strip, if you like, that runs down the the Rhone River with quite sort of um, definite and defined hillside slopes on one side of it. And the main kind of very simple difference between the north and the south, which is kind of more wide open and and generally quite flat with sort of some some undulation, but but generally quite flat. Um, The main sort of simple difference is when you look at the types of wines that are made. So in the north, if you're looking at a red wine, it will be made from Syrah, as the only red grape that is used in the north. Um, you might find that there's a little bit of white grapes in there as well, particularly if you're buying a wine from Cote Roti, where they add a little bit of Viognier sometimes um, to the blend. Um, whereas in the south, if you're looking at reds, you are generally looking at a much broader blend of of grape varieties, um, such as you know Syrah, yes, um, but you've also got Grenache, Mourvedre, etc. Um, You know, they go as far as as multiple, multiple grape varieties in Chateauneuf-du-Pape, for example. So those are the main differences between the North and the South um, on the red wines um, as regards what the grape variety is. I'll come to the whites in a minute, but also stylistically with the the way that the wines taste, there's a very, very big difference between the North and the South. For me, a classic Northern Rhone red wine, you get a really lifted... um, granitic notes and almost sort of um, uh, a rainwater character to those wines. They're so full of energy and uplifting and absolutely beautiful to taste. But they are tend to have sort of more firm tannins and they're wines you might need to put down for some time. Um, in the south, you get a much broader style, um, generally very rewarding, uh, generous wines, um, mm. often with a sort of herbal element to them but they are um, quite different to that sort of more fine, granitic, lifted style you get in the north. And then on the white wines as well, in the north you get um, uh, Marsan, Roussan and Viognier are the, are, the are the white grapes that are grown up there. And in the south you get, again, multiple um, different types of grape varieties. And again, you get a different style um, from sort of a white Hermitage, which can be quite broad and with quite a lot of weight from a Marsan dominant um, blend with Roussan. To some finer, more kind of fresher and it, uh, whites as well in the north. Um, and in the south, you tend to get uh, uh, quite well, quite a range of kind of uh, styles, depending on where they're grown, but often quite fresh styles, but with more sort of richer fruit in there. So you can move in sort of peachier characteristics, for example, in the south. But so it's a very complicated thing to try and define, but those would mm. be my main sort of general differences between them.
0: Brilliant. And within those vast regions, as you say, what are the appellations that collectors particularly should know about?
1: Well, in the north, um, everybody loves Cote Roti, <laughs> um, <laughs> partly because it's one of the, um, the ones that one of the appellations where there is less wine available. So it's quite difficult to access um, Cote Roti. On a regular basis from from really good vintages. Then you've also got um, Hermitage as well again um, Hermitage wines are only made on the hill of Hermitage so it's a very very defined area there's not too much Hermitage available. And a little bit further in the southern end of the north um, you also have Cornas which is um, you know growing and growing I think in in interest from Collectors these days. Um, so uh, there are other regions, obviously, um, Crozé Mittage, Saint Joseph, etc. But I would say those are the, the three in the north that most collectors will be looking at: would be co uh, Metage, Mittage, and Cornas. And what about the south? In the south, I mean, the south is very much dominated by Chateauneuf de Pape. Um, mm-hmm. It is the 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 big the biggest region. It's the biggest, the most well known name. I mean, many consumers, even with not so much wine knowledge, would know of chateauneuf de pape um, It's almost like a brand in its own right. But the very finest chateauneuf de pape are also made in very restricted quantities, and they can be absolutely beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wines. So that's generally where most collectors would look look at. But if you're looking at sort of the next level down, I think you're probably looking at uh, one of the other villages, like Gigondas, would be the the next one along, if you like, that people might look at if, if they can't access the Chateauneuf-du-Pape they particularly want. Also Vacara or Vinsorbes, there's lots of named villages down mm. in the Southern Rhone that can also provide really, really good value for money um, and really beautiful kind of generous wines.
0: And Gary, we've talked about your love for Chateauneuf-du-Pape, but are there any other appellations you're particularly passionate about?
2: yeah um i think in in the north although cote Rotie, as as cat says it sort of takes takes the crown um Cornas and Saint joseph um i think i think the quality and of the quality of the wine that's coming out of Cornas, be it from um you know the the established names like Alamonde or or um or clap or, or the newer guys um the slightly less less well-known you know, alain Vosges or, or Vincent parry I, th- I think Cornas is just so, such an interesting Appalachian And, and Saint-Joseph, you know, it's, 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 you just can't forget Saint-Joseph because it's, it's such a long and sparsely populated Appalachian that the, if you, if you do a little bit of, it's, it's one of those areas where even the smallest amount of research will, will repay dividends, mm. um, you know, be that, you know, Getting out one of the, the you know the great wine great traditional wine books, the World Atlas of Wine, or something like that, or, or going on online and looking up some of the some of the leading critics' notes. A, a little bit of time spent in researching San Josef, San Josef will will really give give a, a con- consumers just. A, a most fabulous insight and and the wines are very very affordable as well you don't need to be spending a lot of money mm. in san joseph um or even Cornas for that matter to, to 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 really get your teeth into something that one not a lot of other people will know about and also something that you know although it'll it'll drink early um because the vintages that we've we, we're having recently are encouraging that that sort of style but they'll also Probably all, in all likelihood, I'd have the capacity to age really well too. Down in the south, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the villages that Cats mentioned too. But um, I'd also probably draw attention to places like uh, villages like Lirac. Or or Karen, because they're just they're they're wines which you know if they're if they're village wines you can drink them up a year or two old they're not going to cost you a lot of money but if you find a really fabulous producer like um, Marcoux Maker and a uh, brilliant Chateauneuf grower but but make a lovely Lirac you, you can you can age that for f- five six or even eight years in a good vintage it's it's a region which is we, we, we're quite often you know when we when we off, we offer out the great wines of Bordeaux or Burgundy you know people mm. will, will, will quite often say that oh, there's no more secrets in Pollack or you, you, there, there's mm. nothing more to be discovered in uh, Saint-Julien or Von Romney or whatever. You know, there, there are, the, the converse is absolutely true in, in the northern and the southern Rhone. If, you, if, if, you, if you've got a, a, a nose for it and you've got a bit of time, you, you really can discover some, some brilliant stuff.
0: How are producers and critics alike feeling about the upcoming vintage?
1: So what I loved particularly about the wines in the north, um, tasting in the cellars with all the producers, was that there's this real feeling of succulence about the 2020 wines. Um, And when you're tasting uh, Syrah from the Northern Rhone, that young and a sort of on premier style, it can often be quite hard, you know, you've got quite tough tannins there, it's quite difficult to taste young. There was no wine that I tasted in the north in November that didn't taste just gorgeous. Um, so it's hugely exciting, I think, with to have that level of ripeness, but with, with a succulence to it. There are also, as I said, some brilliant, brilliant wines made in twenty twenty in the south, in the Rhone Valley. What impact has climate change had on the region over the years? They've had a succession of really warm vintages. Um, mm. Since 2015, they have had a succession of uh, not just warm but really good vintages. To be honest, I mean the the general the variability that you might have found in the Rhone prior to 2015 hasn't been there so much in the last you know five, six, seven years. So there's that side of it, which is obviously quite interesting because that feels good. Um, I think we have to watch out a little bit. It's the Rhone is a region where alcohols can get high, particularly in the south, particularly mm. in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. It's not uncommon now to find a 16% alcohol at Chateauneuf-du-Pape, but, but I want to make really clear that that's not necessarily, it doesn't mean it's a bad wine. Um, all wine is about balance. So if you have the ripeness and the, the freshness, the minerality in that wine at that alcohol, it is still a well-balanced wine. It's not a bad thing, it's what you need to do to make good wine in that vintage. But I think where we will see um, an interesting um, twist will be actually in the next release. Um, So we're Mm. about to release 2020, but in 2021, it was a much, much cooler vintage. It was a really difficult one for most growers and the alcohols are way down compared to normal which again will still be absolutely fine if the wines are, are, are made correctly and are balanced when they finally get into the bottle. Uh, I just think it will be an interesting turnaround. But I think it's def- there's definitely been an element of more warmer conditions over the last five to seven years there.
2: Also, Kat, do you not think that there's a big difference between a very hot vintage like 2003 mm-hmm. or 2009 for example and a warm succulent vintage yeah. like 2016 2018 2020 and yeah. actually you can have you can have the same wine from different vintages that has um, in a in a laboratory analysis will give you the same 15.5 16% alcohol level but actually the impression of that alcohol can be completely different yeah. um, And on one of those wines one of those bottles of wine two people will sit down and drink over dinner and will enjoy it and we'll be able to stand up at the end of it and one of those bottles of wine two people will probably chew through um, a glass and a half each or two glasses each and then and then decide they need a something sort of freshen their palates up, um, and I, I, I think for me, I've, I've seen it in I've seen it in Bordeaux, I've seen it in, in the Rhone Valley, and we've seen, we've seen it in Australia as well, where there's been this movement, and the the winemakers have got so much experience now with dealing with these warmer vintages that um, they, they once the once the grapes get into the winery, there's so much more, the, the, their hands are so much softer um if 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 you like it's a bit bit, bit of a metaphor but the 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 handling of the wine is is so much more uh, thoughtful and 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 careful to preserve the freshness and they know they've got the fruit they know they've got the ripeness um and and everything they're doing is to is to ensure that those acidity levels that give you that make the difference between a wine being monumentally big and rich and and weighty and it being succulent and having some elegance quite often the difference is the acidity and we're now in a realm where winemakers have really got that knowledge do you think that that's been the the sort of the real um movement forward in the last say seven to eight years
1: i think absolutely gary that's very much the case that um producers of becoming more and more adept at managing um, in warm conditions and drought vintages. They they put a huge amount of work in at the vineyards to sort of mitigate uh, against drought. Um, any producers where, and there are quite a number of them in the Rhone Valley, um, where their vines are already got a certain amount of age to them, uh, are in a really good position actually in in difficult conditions like that because the vines are already very well adapted. Um, and. And we're in the, you know, the, both at the North and the Southern Rhone, we're, we're, we're down sort of in Mediterranean climate here. These are, are vines that are used to these sorts of conditions and are possibly better able to, um, to cope with difficult, you know, drought vintages, etc. cetera, when, um, when they come along, just because of, of the types of vines they are and the, the habitat that they have grown in um, over many years.
0: And cat wines from the Rhone are a bit of an unsung hero in cellars around the world. Why should every collector look to have a case of Rhone wine in their cellar?
1: I mean, I think that Rhone can give so much interest. It's quite hard, as we mentioned earlier, to get access to some of the really sought-after uh, northern Rhone wines. And in the south, if if it's a great vintage, a great enough to the Pap can, you know, be a beautiful addition to the cellar. Both top wines north and the south have huge aging potential um, and will continue to improve for a really really long time so if you're planning to drink these at the end of the day then it's it's quite difficult to to go wrong because they will they will last um, and they will improve and they will be beautiful when you end up drinking them
0: and gary why do you think that everyone should have a case of rune in their cellar
2: Oh, I think it's a question of why wouldn't you really? Um, I, I think you know, for, for for the days when you're not drinking Bordeaux, Burgundy, or, or maybe something from the Loire, then you should absolutely be, or you know, you should absolutely be entertaining me, Ron. Um, the um The there is a there is a concept out there, I think, in 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 customers' minds that these are big and rich and weighty, and I think all of that has potentially been true but i think uh, many many years ago i think the the quality developments we've seen in the rhone have been at least as large as they they have anywhere else in 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 france and i i think yeah you know there's 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 definitely a place for the wines in of of the rhone in the cellar and they they're perfect you know whether it's um whether it's a, a a really young chateauneuf du pape with a great piece of ribeye on the barbecue in the summer, or mm. um, that, you know, a, a Chate- again, a Chateauneuf or a Karen or a, a Lirac with, with, a, with a game stew, or, or, or just, you know, frankly, you know, a, a very, very simple Cote de Rhone with, with, with a picnic. And on average, to drink, to drink some of the best wines in the Rhone Valley. Is is on average much cheaper than it is to do it from from lots of other regions, and there's always there's always exceptions. Obviously, I'm not saying the Rhône um the Rhône um, Valley in the south of the north only has only has cheap wines. Absolutely not the case. Some of them are preposterously expensive. <laughs> um, but um, but you know pound for pound the the quality that you get is is really quite remarkable and re, the reliability as well is is great and you know we we're, we're very lucky at, at berries that we we deal with some of the best growers that 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 there are. Yeah, I would I would I'd would re- really encourage people to do it even if it's only one case
1: of wine a year. Brilliant.
0: Cat, which wine producers excite you most at the moment?
1: Oh, there's quite a few to be honest. I, I I mean I love from the north, um I love Gongloff, for example, Domaine of I think his wines are absolutely sensational. Very limited quantities of those wines, but really really beautifully made. Um he, he does a one, one Condrieu and two coat du wines and that's kind of it. I also found um, Domaine René Rostang, is, they make absolutely gorgeous wines. Um, Rostang have a wine called Ampodium which um, I love, I bought a case of in 2019 because I loved it so much. Um, really, really, uh, Rostang really get that really fine fresh uplifting energy in their wines which I think is um, it's something that really appeals to me from a Northern Rhone Um mm. And then also um, on the kind of other slightly different stylistically, Emmanuel Dano, um, I thought his wines were beautiful uh, in 2020 when we tasted out in November, Uh, he, he has a kind of a richer, broader style of wine, but he gets so much concentration in his wines, it's quite astonishing. Um, mm. And uh, I, I could keep going. This is the problem. I've got too many of them. Um, <laughs> and another favourite of mine is Frank Balthazar. Um, I mm-hmm. think he's he's fantastic. Um, he is based in Cornas, um, and he does really small quantities of, of two Cornas wines called Casimir and Le Chayotte. But his absolutely um, you know go-to wine, if you can access any, is his Cote de Rhone, um H. makes he makes a brilliant mm. little coat of own, and 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 his 2020 is also brilliant, Gary. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm glad
2: to hear it because 2018 <laughs> was my has been my house wine over the winter, um, <laughs> and um, no, no, I, 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 this is one of those little little tips where. Um, you know, the, the wines of Balthazar are a little bit tricky to get hold of. You do need to have a word with us in advance if you want them, a bit like the Gangolf wines. But the um the, the the Balthazar wines are are stunning. And I think that is I think that Côte d'Aron is is one of those wines where it, it's it's Courte de it's a Cote on the label. I think the quality of the liquid in the bottle is is so far beyond what, what anybody would expect from a Cote It is It is, I've, I've drunk my case far, far too quickly. All 12 <laughs> bottles have gone. And yeah, I, I, I very much doubt whether I'll be able to buy two or three cases from the 2020. I'll probably get my wrists slapped if I try. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um I, I couldn't agree more they they are really brilliant wines and he has um whatever he's doing with that court Rutte, is is really superb it it definitely is
0: magical are there any other producers that you think we should be looking out for gary
2: um i well like cat i'm i'm really been i've been watching the developments at uh, at rostang with great interest we've had the the change of the in in the generations there and i'm I, I can't wait to taste those wines again i have been uh i've been a very big fan of the wines at Domaine Marcoux for mm. um probably mm. since i tasted the uh probably since i tasted the 2011 in about twenty. 13 or 2014, and they they really sort of um, they really reached out to me, and I I just I so much. Chateauneuf is 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 about texture and richness and weight, um, and actually getting down to um, terroir and 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 texture and purity of fruit um, is is quite it can, can can be quite tricky, um, particularly with with so many of the the, the 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 styles which are popular with the international critics. Get get you know, wonderfully high points, and that's where lots of the attention is is lavished. And Marku have certainly have have had their fair share of that with their with their Vav cuvee. But their their standard let's call it standard. It's not the best use of the term, unfortunately. But their mm-hmm. um their their their, their cuvee is just delicious and um there are there are vintages where they don't make the V.A.V. and they blend it all back into the um to the chateauneuf cuve um and i would yeah I, I i'd love to see what's going on there um i also think what's happening at Domaine Genasse, you know they have a they, they they make a little bit more wine there there's a bit more volume um, and their cote to again another another wine that's been um a, a house tipple of mine um that they, that whether it's the cuvée Chopin or the V.A. Veen, um or the white wine, they make a brilliant white Chardonnay there as well. I th- it's just every grower is 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 taking the challenge of uh, the the warmer vintages differently, and the way they're translating that through their through their vineyards, taking into account vinage, whether they're biodynamic or organic, is just fascinating to see um i am also really interested to see what uh, the Perrin family are doing with their selection Parcelaire. um they, they've got um a rather swish um set of wines that come g- generally single vineyard wines that come from the villages surrounding chateauneuf um and th- th- they're made with absolute sort of um dedication um that, that 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 makes and that has made the the book shattered a book Castella such a great label around the world yeah it's it's going to be really interesting to see what what the 2020s look like so i i, I look forward to hearing from cat or maybe even getting a late invitation on the trip i'm busy anyway sorry
1: Uh, I also wanted to, uh, yeah, absolutely agree with everything Gary just said about the South. Um, Marcou is also one of my favourite producers, just tasting the the wines, you know, um, not at at the Domain. They are, you know, there's beautiful purity in those wines. And Chateaul Lanat is another producer for me, I think, really worth looking out for. They managed to get a real sort of mineral freshness into those wines, um, thanks to their wonderful location and their terroir, as well as obviously Clodopap, which I mentioned earlier, um, which is one of the absolute... Legends of, of the southern Rhone.
0: Fabulous. Now, naturally, everybody listening will now be wanting to know what vintages from those brilliant producers they should be filling up their cellars with. Kat, what are the vintages that collectors should be looking
1: out for? I genuinely think that twenty twenty um, in absolutely in the north and for certain producers in the south will be a, a real vintage to um, a, a real vintage to get hold of because I think it's going to be um, a, a stunning vintage for the region as a whole, um, just for that succulence that you that I t- picked up in November, just beautiful. There are, um, I mean, the thing is with the Rhone, I'm, as I said earlier, um, really since 2015, there's not exactly been a bad vintage. They've they've had mm-hmm. really consistently good vintages since 2015. Um, they do vary between the North and the South. If you wanted to, in those years for me, 2016 was a great one in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. There, I just find it again, a little bit more freshness, um, perhaps in 16 for me than, in 18 and 19 which were they, they are broader riper vintages exceptionally good vintages um but I, I i like that 16 um feel as well and then going back to um you know 2010 2009 um both pretty reliably you know great vintages as well um for both the north and the south there's there's lots of options of great vintages in both the north and the south um it's it's a bit warmer where they are down there than than Bordeaux and Burgundy, so you do get a little, little bit more um, consistency, perhaps, um, between vintages than than in other regions in France. But those those for me would be my top picks in the last sort of ten, fifteen years. Mm.
2: I'd agree with you entirely there, Kat. And um, I'd, I'd I'd go a little bit further back, and I'd say to anybody's listening and, and, and interested, if you see sort of ninety eights and ninety nines from from the mm. top estates, just grab them because they are delicious and they're they're fully mature. Um, but um, I remember having a, a 90 uh Bo Castel actually in both vintages is very good uh, so too is via Telegraph and and Janasse made particularly uh, p- particularly fantastic in 99s but um, 2005 I think is in 2005 and 2006 are vintages which um, have unfortunately been a little bit overlooked maybe I think that the, the Rhone has a as a, as a North regions had a bit of a sort of a, an arrival with the with the with the 2007 vintage, where they made wines which were much much uh, higher quality than their their Bordeaux or Burgundy brethren. So if if you see fives and sixes, they they are they are well worth considering, particularly particularly or far uh, particularly or six in Chateauneuf, and mm. um, whereas because the all sevens are quite quite broad and rich and it was i th- particularly for you, you mentioned lanert there they made a great or seven
1: mm-hmm.
2: um i remember I, th- I think at one stage i did have a double magnum of that in the cellar but that's <laughs> i that went to, that went to a party somewhere along the line um I <laughs> I that's gone, um, gone. <laughs> Yep, yeah, absolutely that, that's gone and enjoyed but um yeah it's 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 quite remarkable how how consistent the region has been yeah. but I, I i always enjoyed um 2011s as well so they're a little mm-hmm. bit tannic um but they were they were great with food um but I, I think this is this is the great enjoyment that it is it is a very varied region but because the wines age if if they're not absolutely you know absolutely 10 out of 10 on release then you know they they the the, the elegance that comes with even five years in the cellar is is fantastic um and i you mentioned 2016 cut i i haven't yet tucked in tucked into any of my 2016s um
1: mm.
2: i tried to be a little bit restrained because the reviews were were so good and i enjoyed tasting them on premise so much i've i've, I've done that rare thing of being patient um which Ooh. i'm not quite sure how long i'm gonna last um at, at this <laughs> stage but um i've got some um i've, I've got some uh, uh Eucelio um Chateauneuf, which uh, from his from his little hundred year old parcel of vines nice. that uh, is 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 right at the back of my Eurocarve, um, so I'm hoping to hope it hoping I almost want to forget about it for a couple more years, really.
0: <laughs> hmm. And Gary, among your private clients in the wider fine wine market, what trends are you seeing when it comes to people buying Rhone wine? I think it's safe
2: to say we're seeing them um, really try find the value. Um and I mean that both in a in in a in a in a real set in a relative sense and in an, and in an objective sense i th- i think with people spending more time at home over the last um over the last couple of years for all the obvious reasons um people are looking for that sort of bang for buck house wine and I think the other one is is looking and really saying, well you know let's take some of the best wines in in Amatage or in um in, in, in Cornas and comparing them to the best wines in, say, Bordeaux. Now, um, Jean-Louis Charve, you know, one of the absolute, you know, sort of absolute, one of the great growers in Hermitage, um, his wines are still a fraction of the Bordeaux 1st growths. And if you put if you put a a, a, you know, a a mature vintage, let's say a 99 or even a 95 or maybe even something a bit younger, next to its, its sort of Bordeaux um, pier, um, be it a, a first growth or La Vieillesse or um, Cheval Blanc or something like that. You know, it will be a fist fight. Uh, you know, between the wines as to which wine is the is the best and um, put best in inverted commas perhaps, or, or enjoyed by most people around the table. Um, you know, the the wines are the equal of each other. They are. Um, they are some of the best wines in their region. I think people are really spotting that and saying, "Well, yeah, you know, the 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 brilliant Hermitage is from uh, Paul Jabulet, for example, um, they've been on a marvellously consistent run over the past really, really since sort of 2015, and and you know those, those wines, are, you know, absolutely." top of their game and, and people are just sort of looking that little bit little wider i've seen quite a few clients really stock up on on some of the some some of the best names some of the most expensive names let's say but also at the same time some of the wines which which aren't hundreds or even hundred hundreds or even thousands of pounds a bottle. some of the wines that are are, are are you know maybe 10 or 20 pounds a bottle and people can drink on a, on a much much more regular basis and i, I think that's 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 good for that's good for the Rhone Valley. I think it's good for fine wine in general, um, because it's not just our our business used to be. Even within the fifteen years or so that I've been here, our business was so driven by Bordeaux, Burgundy, and then occasionally some Port and Champagne when when the vintages were right in those regions. And it's now about the Rhone and 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 Piedmont and and Tuscany and and Portugal and and. Yeah, you know, so many other places making great wine and people mm. are judging those wines because they're opening yeah, they're opening a bottle of Leville Las or or Hope on or Chabot Blanc and a bottle of Vincent Avril's Clore or Beau Castel uh, alongside it and the wines, the wines measure up, and it's it's brilliant. To see, it's brilliant to see it happening.
0: Brilliant! It's finally having its time in the spotlight. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and looking ahead to this year, about what we should be drinking in 2022, we've mentioned 2016, how brilliant that was. But looking at our own cellars, what vintages should we be looking to withdrawing this year?
1: Good question uh, as to what you want to be drinking up. I think it's really worth just testing vintages as you go, um, even if you think that on paper they aren't quite ready yet then withdraw a case and try try a bottle and see how they go i mean it's quite for the rhone if you're looking at things to be drinking now you probably want to look at some of the vintages that perhaps weren't as quite as lauded at the time as being sort of real wines with great longevity so in the north you probably don't want to go too much earlier than something like 2012 i'd have thought um at a push um But equally, you can go back to something like a 2006 and that would be really, really useful now. Um, And in the South, again, you've probably got um, a bit more leeway in the South. The the, the wines from the South tend to be um, made that they can be drunk a little bit younger than the ones from the North. Um, I don't think, um, rather than, there are some 2016s which are lovely now, but as Gary mentioned earlier, you also might want to hold on for those. But that would definitely be an example of, of getting a case and trying a bottle and seeing how you go with it, because some are already delicious. Um, but again, you could go uh, look back at 2014 as well from the South, or 12 or, or even nine, for example. Those sorts of vintages sort of have had a, an, enough age now to be broached and try a bottle and, uh, and see if you like where they've got to. Brilliant. And how about you, Gary? Which bottles will you be opening this year?
2: well I would I would broadly agree with Kat, but um, I've got to say I opened a bottle of court roti from a producer on on New Year's Eve which was a 2018 and Ooh. it was just it was in its absolute first flush of youth it had everything was you know technically it was everything was in the right place and it was just it it was it was quite a, a So New Year's, even though it was quite a raucous affair, Um, but it was um, the the wine just showed brilliantly, and it it went on and it developed, and I I sort of put put half a glass to one side to to come back to later on. It it just it just blossomed. Um, So I think it's um, I'm I'm a big advocate of patience, even if I don't always follow my own advice. I I certainly didn't follow it in this instance, Um, (laughs) but um, because Cat touched on it earlier that so many of these vintages have got succulence rather than just ripeness and as soon as you've got that and my my, my, my advice would be is you know go, once you've once you've bought the wine and the wine's arrived go back and have a quick read of the tasting notes on our, on our website or, or or with or with one of the critics and if it mentions if it sounds fresh and if the tasting note sounds like it's the wine is fresh and lively and well-paced and has got energy, it's probably pretty good. It's going to be pretty enjoyable to, to open... Hope and young if, if the if the tasting note is talking about the wine being solid and dense and 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 sort of foursquare then then it's going to need time
0: And Kat can you tell us about the last special bottle of Rhone wine that you enjoyed
1: in an interesting way I'm not going to be too dissimilar to Gary's comment uh, now in that one bottle that really stood out to me and it was when I was tasting um, the 2019s last year was um, Cote T ampodium, by René Rostang. Um, it was an interesting lineup of wines that we were tasting that day and 2019 was a again a warm, bright vintage and a lot of the wines were um, you know quite sturdy I would say to be tasting that young but um, that bottle of Ampodium as soon as I as soon as I smelt it I, I just started smiling because I was I just thought this this is what I love about what Northern Rhone Sierra can be um, you just immediately feel invigorated by just nosing the wine. And then as soon as you taste it, you just feel the energy coming through of the wine. It was, um, it was utterly refreshing and really beautiful. So it was tasting rather than drinking the bottle, but I absolutely loved that wine that day. Amazing. And how
0: about you, Gary?
2: I, I, as much as I'd like to say that it was a, a, a wonderful sort of modest bottle of Cote um that I had with a, a pork pie by the side of the river or something, I've, I've, I do have to unfortunately go right to the top of the tree and say that um at the start of December I hosted a dinner in the long room um with uh, with some private clients and and on the menu was a bottle of Chateau Rias um from Chateauneuf de Pape and it was the I've I've only had Rias two or three times before and it's just it's 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 um it's a wonderful property quite esoteric um in that they are predominantly um grenache and it's on a very sandy terroir so it's quite different to um the sort of the galley and all the all the received um wisdom about what makes great terroir in in chateauneuf-du-pap and it was the 2008 vintage which on on paper isn't um isn't a high scoring or, or venerated vintage by by any means but um, this was this was absolutely singing, um, and we had it next to some really sort of quite quite grand Bordeaux. We had some Lynch Barge and some Jack as well, um, from very good vintages. Um, but Reyes, this this two thousand eight Reas was absolutely next level, and I would I would probably put it in one of my I'd probably mark it as one of my top wines of last year. Um, it was it was just the wine, the wine the vintage at the right place at the right stage of maturity um and the, the the slightly the slightly funny thing is that that each of the two or three other bottles of Chateau Reyes have also done the same thing um so 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 a bottle of a bottle of 2000 and um, I think it was 2006 that I had in Bordeaux many years ago also felt like it was just the right bottle of wine in the right vintage at the right space and time so I, th- I think the um I, I think there might be a pattern there and I don't think it's me. Um, let's just let's just say that much.
0: Particularly special. Um, yeah, so definitely. just to wrap up this brilliant podcast, Kat, if there's one thing we should take away from today's conversation, whether that be a region to dig into, a vintage we should all try, or a producer to watch, what would that be?
1: I mean, for me, it's, it's giving the roan a time, your time, to delve into it more than perhaps you might have done in the past. Uh, I think the Rhône is such a complex region, particularly in the north, um, it can be quite difficult and sometimes a bit daunting. I mean, you, when you look at the multiple different lieux in the north particularly, Um, Gary mentioned right at the beginning of the conversation about a barrel tasting he did with Stéphane Augier. Um, I did something very similar with Stéphane Augier in November. It was absolutely eye opening. And I think to give um, this region your time to to delve into it more, to ask questions of your account manager, for example, to to research it yourself or to get top tips. is well worth the investment of your time because there are so many absolute gems to find in this region um and it's just a question of 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 getting a little bit more knowledge a little bit more research to be able to pick the exact ones that are perfect for you
0: thank you so much well all that remains for me to say is cat gary thank you so much for sitting down with me today to discuss the complex and amazing world of Rhone wine thank you so much thank you
2: Ah, it's a pleasure thank you thank you very
0: much Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Drinking Well, a podcast by Barry Brothers and Rudd. If you'd like to hear more episodes or you're keen to learn more about fine wine from our experts, visit bbr.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or you've been enjoying the podcast in general, do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to welcome you back soon, but until then, thank you again for listening to this episode of Drinking
1: Well.